The Gator Tales podcast with Sean Kelly is presented by UF Health. UF Health has locations throughout Florida, including Gainesville, Jacksonville, St. Augustine, Leesburg, and the Villages and we're growing. Compassionate care and world-class outcomes, that's our game plan. Visit ufhealth.org to learn more. Our podcast is also brought to you by Pet Paradise. Gator fans, for pet fanatics like you, there's only one place who goes all out for your pet the way you do. Boarding, grooming, day camp, and veterinary services, all in one convenient location. Pet Paradise and New Day Veterinary Care. Finally, complete pet health care is here for Gator Nation. Hi again, everybody, and welcome in to Gator Tales with Sean Kelly. I am Sean Kelly, and this is episode number 16. We have reached the end of the fall semester. This will be our last show uh, before the holiday break. Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. We'll resume back in the spring. And with that here today, we've got a couple of things to cover before we put a wrap on things before the end of the calendar year. First of all, great time to have Scott Carter and Chris Harry from FloridaGators.com to come in and do a little roundtable with me. We'll do the top stories of the fall across Gators Athletics. We've got an Emmy to celebrate this week. How about that? Yes, Randy Mickens is the Associate Director of Creative Video for Recruiting Strategy on the football side. He and his team have put together a show that chronicles the season called This is the Swamp and they have won an Emmy Award. Congratulations to Randy. I want to ask him about winning the award and what it meant to him to be able to put together this year's This is the Swamp documentary. And are you ready for gymnastics? (laughs) It starts next month. The first home meet is on January the 12th. We just had hype night inside the O'Connell Center and sure enough, Gators Gymnastics is going to go back after it again after finishing as the national runner-up and another SEC championship. So we've got Jenny Rowland here today to go one-on-one to talk about the fall for her team and the upcoming season and life without Trinity Thomas in the rotation as well. So some good stuff to kind of wrap the semester up. In the meantime, I'm off to Lakeland today. Men's basketball plays against East Carolina. The women's basketball team, like the men, have non-conference now the rest of the month. And then sure enough, when we gather again in January, it'll be time for Southeastern Conference play. So a busy time, but yet a slow time too. Campus is emptying out. Finals have wrapped up. So with that being said, let's get through episode number 16. And we should probably just start with Jenny Rowland and talk Gators gymnastics here right off the top. In some ways, it feels like it was just yesterday that the Gators were competing for another national championship. And now I'm going to get to finally sit down with Jenny Rowland and bring up the fact that a new season starts on January the 12th. Uh, Does that seem close to you, Coach? (laughs) Oh, I get goosebumps thinking about it. Um, Yeah, it seems close, and yet um, it's great to know we have a good four weeks uh, before then. Uh, This team's been working really hard this semester, uh, very intentional, and yet um, it's good to just get a a few more uh, days under our belt before uh, competition season begins. I know four weeks involves the holidays and the end of the semester and everything else, but do you get the sense with your team that they're ready to get back on the stage here and compete at the level that you've grown accustomed to? Most definitely, um, especially after this past week when we had hype night, we had our inner squad uh, in-house. Um, really, these uh, freshmen all the way through our super senior really shined out on the competition floor. 
Interesting you started the word freshman there. It's a young team, isn't it, Coach? It's an extremely young team. We've got six freshmen coming in this year. Um, I think it's our second largest freshman class uh, ever in the history. And yet um, it presents um, a lot of excitement and, you know, some challenges ahead. Do you find yourself rejuvenated because you've got uh, a lot of unknowns coming in? Most definitely. I say one of the strengths of having six freshmen on the team is the youth, the excitement, the, um, you know, just the anticipation. It just kind of spreads throughout the gym and it makes those seniors, you know, super seniors uh, a little bit more vibrant. So uh, really having them in the gym has been a lot of fun. Speaking of those vets, uh, there's still a lot of names, Coach, that our fans will recognize when they all take the floor in January. You know, Leanne Wong. I mean, there's a number of different names there that obviously have become quite familiar nationally and now internationally, too. Most definitely. Um, we've got uh, Leanne Wong, who is coming off of another amazing um, USAG season with uh, the U.S. national team, uh, winning gold in um, Belgium uh, for Team USA at World Championships. So really exciting. Um, and we have uh, Peyton Richards coming back for her fifth year. We've got Sloan Blakely. We've got Morgan Hurd. We've got, you know, names upon names. And you know what? A lot of names that you might not be extremely familiar with, but you will definitely know by the end of season. Okay, who are those? G- give me an idea of who are those names that are poised to become more household for us Gators. Um, if it's not poised already, I'd say Victoria Wynn. Uh, she made a huge splash for us last year as a transfer uh, coming in her junior year. Um, not having been with the Gators all that long, um, she may not have been as well known, uh, but this year she will be competing all around, knock on wood. Um, just really has continued to exude confidence and great leadership qualities. Um, so you're, everybody will be... Um, thrilled I know to see her uh, grace and poise we've got Sloan Blakely who really has just continued to step up and own her gymnastics and own what she's doing so uh, she'll be another great contender and I think one of the other ones would be Ellie Lazari Um, she only competed in one event for us this past year Um, has had um, injuries over the last couple years so uh, to see her come to full circle back into the all-around I think will be really exciting you almost make that out to be like this is some surprise in the waiting are there surprises coming with this team um i don't think there's any surprises but i see them day in and day out um i love a great surprise and then i'm not really excited about surprises at the same time so for us as a staff um we're just we're we're just i'd say excited to see these young women back out on the floor doing what they know they're capable of doing um, and really doing it all for the Gators. I want to use Leanne Wong's example here, if you don't mind. Just when you look at her off-season achievements and then she returns to you in the fall to start training for the new Gators season, what do you notice from your gymnasts after they're away from you for some time, go compete, in some cases internationally, that shows their growth or their development? No, I think Leanne's one that um, I think a lot of people recognize from the outside looking in how much she has grown and changed over these last three years. Uh, Coming in a very young freshman and really just growing into this very mature, confident um, athlete, 
um, you know, in her own mind. And really, um, she's the one that's in control of her destiny. Destiny, And that's something that we really try to instill in all of our Gator athletes. Um, but she most definitely has taken the reins and um, is leading this um, journey for, for us Gators, you know, yeah. along uh, her side. It seems like this has become as normal as um, hanging Christmas lights this time of year or finding ways to be around friends and family. That would be the fact that the Gators are again ranked in the top five of the preseason coaches poll, number two exactly, uh, this season. Does it ever get old, Jenny, to see you guys, I guess, poised at the top going into a new season? Uh, most definitely not. Um, it's something that I don't take for granted. It's something that um, – we, as uh, a coaching staff, we stay humble, we, we stay dedicated, we stay passionate and loving what we do, and uh, just really grateful for the support shown around the country um, of all the other coaches and the confidence and knowing that the Gators are going to have a great year. Is it one of those things where it's a recognition of the program you've built, or is it just they all wait to see who's coming next for the Gators, and it's the caliber of the athlete that continues to wear orange and blue? Um, I think it's a little bit of both, um, but that second piece, I think, um, weighs heavily on the decision-making. Who has left, who has come in, um, our freshman recruiting class, having a lot of freshmen, even though we did, um, I can't say lose, uh, uh, Kayla DiCello this year, you know, staying home, taking a gap year, competing uh, for Team USA, training for the Olympics, um, and then we were uh, to have another freshman come in this year, Sky Blakely, um, could be Sloan Blakely's sister. <laughs> in fact, she is. Um, really, she decided to stay home as well and train for the Olympics. So without with those two absent, um, you know, there could have been a lot of question in some minds mm -hmm. uh, out there that, you know, the Gators aren't going to be able to, you know, stack up to what they uh, expect them to be able to. But um, we know otherwise. Jenny, your roots, you have roots with USA Gymnastics, um, and some of your athletes have competed for the national team. I, I, I'm a little curious, how much synergy is there between Gators Gymnastics or, or Collegiate Gymnastics and Team USA? Is it hard to balance? Does it make a lot of sense? I'd, I'd like to just try and understand it more. Um, no, that's a really great question, and honestly, um, there is a new path being paved um, for these women who are choosing to do NCAA gymnastics and compete for Team USA. Mm -hmm. And I'd say Trinity Thomas was one of the first um, to start paving that path. And what she had to do in order to maintain her status as a national, um, as an elite on the national team is looks very different than what uh, Leanne has to do to this day. Uh, when Trin was uh, named to the national team, she was expected to attend national team camps every month. Now, um, Leanne and all the other NCAA athletes who are competing in NCAA and Team USA, they are exempt from training camps during the NCAA competitive season from January to April. So that was really challenging when Trinity was here. We'd take her to camps in between. Um, and it's, it's, it's a lot for those young women. And, you know, with a lot of conversation and, you know, little give and take with, uh, in, with uh, USA Gymnastics, they really have listened and are trying to, you know, do 
what is right and in the best interest of these young women and um, helping them be able to do both NCAA and have that experience on Team USA, which is what they want. And we've seen it's possible. So really excited to be working alongside with them. Speaking of Trinity, she's now one of your student assistant coaches, uh, but no longer in your lineup. Coach, how are you handling that? <laughs> it's very different. Uh, five years with her in the lineup. Um, you know, it's it just kind of rolls off your tongue that she's in that fifth or sixth spot. But, um, you know, it, it's really exciting to see her continue to do things that she wants and that she's taking ownership in. And um, to see her alongside the Gators team still is um a blast her leadership her poise her um just dedication to the gators never wavers and the team knows that and she's still training for bigger things isn't she and she is still training she trains by herself in the mornings um before the team comes and trains um and is putting in the work um to you know have a potential spot on the 2024 olympic team i mentioned those rankings so i took the rankings and then i took your schedule and i couldn't help but notice how many of your opponents upcoming are also in those same rankings? Mm-hmm. And there's a wry grin on your face. Yeah. That seems, for me as a fan, great. How does it feel as a coach to have maybe one of the toughest schedules in the nation? Well, um, I I have to say we're we're kind of used to it, um, and at the same time, it's it's great. It's great for the sport of gymnastics. Um, it's especially great for the SEC. Um, SEC gymnastics is unlike any other and really competing against the best every weekend continues to challenge, continues to elevate you and, um, you know, put you in a better position to be successful at the end of the year. It's crazy. These meets draw well over 9,000 fans every time. And this isn't something new, but I guess if I'm looking back to maybe when you were competing at a certain level in the late 80s through the 90s, I don't remember collegiate gymnastics having this kind of attention, but it certainly does now. What changed? Can you put your finger on when and why it changed a little bit? I'd say there's a couple things. Um, I think ESPN coming in uh, sets a great, incredible spotlight on NCAA gymnastics um, and has just heightened um, what an amazing sport and fun sport it is to watch and be a part of. Um, So I'd say um, that piece. And then also these athletes who before had to choose between competing for Team USA Mm -hmm. and getting compensated um, for their name, image, likeness. Uh, We had a a couple of former um, that were supposed to be Gators that chose to go pro. Um, And now those athletes are coming and competing for for, uh, NCAA uh, colleges all over the country. And I think that's just continued to heighten, you know, our sport at this level as well. With regard to those fans, is there anything that they're going to see that's different with the sport coming into this new season? I think every every year I'm always talking to different coaches about there's X number of rule changes or um, NIL has changed things. Is there anything scoring-wise, uh, procedurally, that's going to be different for gymnastics collegiately this year? Uh, pretty much everything should stay the same. This next year will be a rule-changing year. However, there is an addition um, to our landing deductions. And for those fans who watch, uh, especially on vault bars and beam, um, the athletes are required now to hold their finish position for one second, um, which 
tends to take away from, quote, the college finish, where those athletes that you see and, and just, you know, see in your head arch back and start jumping around and celebrating, um, you're not going to be able to see that a whole lot um, these days. However, um, that emotion, the joy, you know, the, the all the emotions will still be there um, after that one second finish. So it won't be a major adjustment for the athlete per se. It'd be more about the fan perceiving the finish fair um fair and i would have to say it's been really challenging for these athletes because they're used to like finishing and turning and and celebrating and really um just isolating the end of the routines and helping those judges know where the finish the conclusion is the routine before they start that celebration piece Let's end with this. Let's use this as a chance for you to say anything you would want to Gators Gymnastics fans heading into the new season. What would you want them to know about this year's team or the challenges that are in front of them? Just kind of an open forum for you to message to them no differently than you would to your team here in the gym. Um, I would say um, this 2023-24 Gators Gymnastics team really has been is one of the most dynamic teams we've ever had Um, with a combination of six freshmen and then our upperclassmen um, it really has you know brought a lot of energy a lot of spirit into the gym and yet the veterans have done a really great job of showing what intention and leading with the gator way um to our freshman class. So um, very, I would say, well-balanced, a well-rounded team that uh, Gators Gymnastics has this year. Um, the depth, um, surprisingly, in you know, certain areas, um, we are going to be able to play around with lineups a lot this season. Um, and I think it's important that the freshmen do get a lot of time and play time, um, really, to uh, be able to allow them to have the success that they will need, you know, when they become veterans. So, um, you know, we know with competing a lot of freshmen, you know, at one time there could be some bumps and bruises and, you know, it's going to be a roller coaster and a few unknowns, but at the same time, um, you know, keeping everything into perspective, you know, it's part of the process. And this team loves each other. This team loves the Gators and uh, all they ever want to do is just make Gator Nation proud. Jenny Rowland. Thanks coach. Go Gators. Go Gators. Well, it's been a while since this podcast had the old roundtable gathered, and um, we've got a roundtable, and sure enough, Chris Harry and Scott Carter from FloridaGators.com have gathered for the first time this year on the on the new edition of Gator Tales with Sean Kelly, and so this being our last podcast before the holiday break, gentlemen, I thought we would gather and go over some of the top stories from the fall as we get ready to breathe a little bit, enjoy the holidays, and turn the page, and so... I, you know, it's been an up and down fall for the Florida Gators. If we're going to be objective and uh, and really kind of do our due diligence here, but obviously, when it comes to the Florida Gators, Scott, it's football that starts any of these conversations, especially coming off of the fall. What do we make of this latest Florida Gators football season? Yeah, Sean, it's not the kind of season I think uh, you know 
Gator fans or Billy Napier wanted. Um, you know, when you finish five and seven, you've got some work to do. And I think that's where the program is right now. I knew with the schedule and a program and kind of rebuild mold still in the Napier second year, I wasn't expecting, you know, a huge turnaround season. Uh, you know, I, I thought at the start of the season, you know, six and six, seven and five was realistic. I think what, you know, sticks in most people's mind, you know, they, they slip back a game. So now they've got to work and try to try to get that. I think when you look at the Florida Florida's 20, uh, 23 football team, I think the most impressive part about it to me was just uh, gr- the quarterback, Graham Burt's kind of expe- exceeding expectations. You know, when he uh, transferred from Wisconsin, uh, like all these kind of uh, changes or player movement, you know, fans, uh, they didn't exactly welcome, I don't think, with open arms, but Billy Napier kept telling them and kept telling the press, this guy can play, he's going to help us. And you know what? Graham Mertz went out and had one of the, probably the best season by Gator quarterback since Kyle Trask 2020. I mean, you know, that's Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson, the two seasons before. I think uh, I think Graham Mertz was better at quarterback than either of those guys were. And he uh, threw 20 touchdowns, only three interceptions, led the SEC in completion percentage. So I think that's that was a big takeaway. And guess what, guys? One reason why it's also a big positive, he's announced that he's coming back. So they know that they have that going into 2024. And, you know, as we sit here uh, doing this podcast, there's still going to be a lot of unknowns about this team, even before spring. I mean, you've got the early signing day is coming up in about nine days. Uh, there's still a couple of vacancies on the coaching staff. Uh, so there's, there's just a lot of that we don't know. Uh, and I just think when you look at 2023 as we wind up here in December <laughs> I think the story is to be continued Sean yeah. really on this season obviously like I said earlier five and seven is not what they wanted but they're they're working to kind of change that but a lot of the pieces just aren't in place as we see so it's going to be really interesting to see what unfolds here in the next uh, few weeks Chris Harry what did you take away in in any way just even maybe even from a, a fan perspective over what we saw these last four months. Well, it's something we were just kicking around before you turn the microphone on here. Let, let's give credit on that fan situation to the fans because they showed up and they were excited. And we've been here uh, in some other, even in some seasons with a lot more success, with a lot more wins where that wasn't necessarily the case. So Gator fans are, are excited about Florida football and want Florida football to succeed. Um, they did their part. Now it's up to the uh, the coach and the program overall to do its part. It, its part and and give them give them something more to cheer about. Yeah, the unknown maybe is the biggest story take away from from football season or what's to come, as you said, in a to be continued. I mean, those big dates are coming up, and and obviously, I think more and more there's a search for answers and. The frustration is we don't have answers yet when it comes to where things are heading as we turn toward year three of Billy Napier's program. The Olympic sports had some interesting stories here. Maybe some were to be expected, guys, and then others were a bit of a surprise. How would you categorize some of those top stories from the Olympic sports? Well, I think one, we'll start with the expected list, Sean. One that we knew was had a chance of happening was what Parker Volby in the cross-country world did. 
uh, world did. She had an amazing year, uh, became uh, the first Florida Gators men or women to win a national title across the country. And she did it, guys, and by like more than 10 seconds over the second-place finisher. I mean, that's like, uh, you know, me running to the pizza shop, you know, when they're still hot. I'm getting there fast. I mean, she ran uh, in the course up in Virginia. She uh, she blew away the competition. So, and she's she was named the uh, Honda Sports Award winner for cross-country, which, uh, to explain to our audience a little bit, I mean, that is the top award in the country uh, for a, a woman athlete in that sport. Trini Thomas has won it in gymnastics, and the Gators have had some others over the years. So uh, hats off to Parker, Volby, what she did. And then, you know, one other sport in the fall that really uh, caught my attention was what the volleyball team was able to do. Uh, you know, we know the storyline. Chris could talk about this more because he was actually there the day it happened that Alexis Stuckey went down and the Gators still managed to, uh, you know, get within a victory of the sweet 16 uh, with a team that was really injury plagued. So I think those two, uh, those two really stand out to me, um, you know, in the Olympic sports and uh, for the fall. Sorry, man. And with regard to that volleyball, Chris, you know, I I remember being in the O'Connell center, it's Florida, Wisconsin. It's a new attendance record. Florida had been destroying everyone in their path leading into that match. And then, you know, seemingly we go from the euphoria of such a great event to maybe the, the seminal moment in Mary Wise's season. Well, to piggyback on that, Sean, Florida was destroying Wisconsin that day. It was two to nothing in games when Alexis Stuckey uh, jumped up, no contact, came down on that on that knee and blew it out. Um, the place went dead silent. Uh, you know, and I think this is a gr- the timing that we're talking about this is amazing because just over this weekend the final four for volleyball was set to play in in Tampa uh, this coming weekend Wisconsin is 30 and three and is one of those one seeds and Florida was killing them that day undefeated Florida fifth ranked Florida and basically lost your Heisman Trophy uh, point guard or quarterback, excuse me, or your All-American point guard or whatever. And, you know, it wasn't, you know, it just, uh, uh, they couldn't recover from that, you know. So um, that was that was obviously a big story, but, uh, you know, there could be redemption down the line. Alexis Stuckey is ahead of um, schedule in terms of her comeback. So she'll be back next year uh, to also to just to add to what Scott was talking about, Parker Volby. Florida now has at least one individual NCAA champion in every sport that offers individual titles, cross-country, golf, gymnastics, swimming and diving, tennis, and track and field. So congratulations to her. And remember, she also last spring, excuse me, won the 10,000 meters at the uh, at the NCAA uh, uh, track and field championship. So um, something we didn't talk about. Let's talk about, and, and we're talking about recruiting and football and everything, the Florida women's basketball team, which has had a difficult week last week they went on the road and lost to Marshall then lost to Tulsa uh, over the weekend but they signed okay so to backtrack a little bit last year Layla Layla um, Layla Reynolds is a true freshman right now she's been in the starting lineup the last few weeks she was the highest ranked uh, Florida 
basketball signee, women's basketball signee. McDonald's All-American, only the second one in school history. Well, now uh, uh, Kelly Ray Finley added another probably likely McDonald's All-American, Liv McGill, a point guard out of Minnesota. She's 5'9". She's a top 15-ranked player right now. She'll probably, she is the highest-ranked signee in program history. So we'll probably have back-to-back McDonald's All-Americans coming to the women's program. And then a week after that, they signed Mariah O'Neal, a 6'4 forward, and the daughter of Shaquille O'Neal, who was being recruited by LSU. So um, they're doing some yeoman's work on the recruiting uh, trail over there in the women's basketball program, and I, I just think that, that warrants merit. Yeah, it does. It certainly fits in the category of top stories sure. from the fall. Let's stay on the basketball beat for a moment. In the building. Yes, shall we? Just go across the hallway. Todd Golden's second season is underway. Chris, what have you noticed about his second team here at Florida out of the gate? The same thing you've noticed is that they're a lot better than last year. They're more athletic. They're longer. Um, I believe they're more competitive and better. <laughs> Just uh, uh, they, can, they can put the ball in the basket. Um, uh, the things that have jumped out to me about the team uh, – I, I, I just I think Walter Clayton is a fabulous player. He's a shot maker. He's a competitor. I think he plays off uh, the other two guys really, really well. In in Riley Kugel, obviously, who's the returning freshman uh, All SEC player last year, hasn't gotten off to a great start, but I think he's kind of filing. Uh, excuse me, finding his his way with this much better perimeter uh, uh, team that Florida has with Zion Pullen, the grad transfer from from uh, Riverside also. So this team's kind of figuring some stuff out. But, uh, Sean, we love Alex Kahn and we love Tommy Hawk, those two, uh, those two true freshmen that have certainly overachieved. The fans, uh, we – I wrote about him. I know that, and I told him that these guys were going to be good. And I think, to from the fans' aspect, I think they would say that they exceeded all expectations. And then, one guy I think who has exceeded my expectations, I think Tyreek Samuel is playing great. Um, he's not a perfect player. He 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 forces some things sometimes, but my goodness gracious, he's got three double doubles already. Uh, he 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 he's much. He's a much better passer than you think he is, and he can get from end to end really, really fast. That's one thing I really like about this team is their ability to run. They're a top 15 now team in pace of play, um, always looking to move the ball, and that hasn't been the case uh, the last couple years around here. So it's an exciting brand of basketball, better brand of basketball, and we're a couple weeks away from the start of the SEC season, but um, uh, I think Florida will be a better team when they enter the SEC, way better than they were a year ago, obviously. By the way, it's going to be strange to open the SEC schedule a Saturday day game against Kentucky at the start of the season as opposed to, yeah. 1998 was the last time Florida opened the SEC season against Kentucky. With regard to basketball, fast forward, when we do this again and do top stories of the spring, will we be saying that the Gators men's and women's basketball teams made a return to the NCAA tournament? Of course, I want to say yes. that that's going to be the case. Florida hasn't been in the NCAA tournament since 2021. The women haven't been in the, in the NCAA tournament since 2022. So we all want to see that. But we also know how hard the SEC is going to be. And you just just Google around a little bit and, and, and figure that out. But uh, that is the goal of this team. And anything short of that will be a disappointment over in that building. And I think obviously it would be a disappointment for the three of us at this table and a lot of the fans. But um, – this team is much more uh, geared up, more has way more weapons to make a run and get and, and get in dance right now. And, and again, you never want to say when the season ends because it doesn't end today. But if the season ends today, the Gators are right around, um, depending on analytics, anywhere from a, a six, seven, or eight seed, depending on uh, who you know whose numbers you're looking at. And, and in all fairness, we're barely a third into the season now for both 
the men and the women. Uh, Samantha Bohan's soccer program, I thought, took another step this fall, uh, just short of postseason play. There's a market improvement there. Other top stories that came to mind. Um, back to Parker Valby for a moment. This, this of course, falls under the, the Mouse Holloway umbrella. When we start to look around campus, it's – I don't know why. Maybe it's just me. You just forget how great things are just down the street where that oval is, and they're getting ready for the SEC championships in the spring. But when you talk about him, the fact that Anthony Nesty – is now going to be leading Team USA with regard to the Paris Olympics. Those are, I think those fall into the category of top stories from the fall. We're talking about Olympic sports. Olympics, about the Olympics, Olympics yes. going to be Olympians. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, that is a good segue, uh, Sean, because you're exactly right. And I was reminded of that really recently. We're doing our next issue of Two Bits Magazine. I was looking for a cover story, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Anthony Nesty is going to be the uh, upcoming U.S. Olympic uh, swim coach for uh, 2024 in Paris. So uh, we got him. We got uh, Mike Holloway talking about his experience in Tokyo as leading the U.S. track team. We got Greg Troy, the former swim coach, uh, about his experience leading the 2012 uh, U.S. team in London. So you're right. And just this past week, I went over to the student-athlete graduation ceremony. You know, I'm talking to Bobby Fink, interviewing him for a story, and also Anna Hall, who just happens to be the national champion uh, heptathlon in the U.S., world bronze champion who's also aiming for uh, Paris. So it is sometimes you do lose track of that because I'm as guilty as everyone else. I mean, football captures a lot of my attention, but I love to break away from that grind to talk to these other athletes because they have such different and unique experiences compared to some of the other teams on campus. And then you get to see them on the international stage. I mean, Caleb Dressel, Ryan Lockie, Bobby Fink, Christian Taylor, Will Clay. I, mean, I can see here the gold medalists. And don't think we're not going to claim Katie Ledecky, by the way. You have assistant coach Katie Ledecky, who at the World Championships last year was wearing a Gator swim cap. So. Yes, yes. And Trinity Thomas is back, and she's a student assistant coach now for gymnastics. It is remarkable, guys. I mean, I love the old Sports Center commercials where they go into like the ESPN cafeteria and you'd see – Arnold Palmer. It's the, it's no different here. You go across campus and it's like, oh well, there's Katie Ledecky yeah. and there's Trinity yeah. Thomas and there's yeah. Mr. Fink. And, and, it's, I just, uh, and we could, I just saw the greatest or the top up and coming U.S. tennis player happened to be at gymnastics the other night. Uh, what's his name? Ben, ben Shelton. Yeah. Yes. Ben Shelton. Yes. How's that not amongst the top stories? Ben <laughs> Shelton right. going for a U.S. Open championship. Uh, you know. Semifinals. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I know we started kind of like in this, you know, to-be-continued football world that we're in, but there are big top stories when you start to really step back and look at these and things. And you love to see Ben Shelton out there, uh, you know, playing the Joker in, in the semifinals of the <clears throat> of the U.S. Open and, and doing Gator Chomps and, you know, uh, uh, representing the brand. But more so, even come back, he, he was at that volleyball match uh, against Wisconsin earlier in the season. He's been at football games. Uh, he was a, he's been at basketball games. He comes back and he's training here with his with his with the uh excuse me with his father and is is supporting the program um really one of the greatest athletes that i've seen here since i've been here without a doubt our list of top stories here came in no particular order so i don't want anybody to think that we're ranking these things and, and i bring that up because the last thing i did want to bring up was the news of the graduation rate of the student athletes here at florida is remarkable. It is noteworthy. 
not only amongst our SEC sister and brethren, but even just nationally. And I know that was up on FloridaGators.com here recently, but I thought we would end with that. It is remarkable how well this program has done uh, in timely graduation of student-athletes across the board. One of the places that does it best in the, in college athletics, and it's been that way in my time here. It's always something the uh, you know University Athletic Association has taken uh, pride in. But I will say, Sean, you know, I, my perspective on this whole thing has changed some working inside. I do see what these student athletes do behind the scenes, beside what we see them do on the on the court or on the field, and some of these some of these people are just so impressive to me. I mean, I, when I was their age, you know, I was playing video games a lot and cutting class and still trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I mean, to do, to have the discipline and the structure and the drive that they do. I mean, it's, you know, people like Anna Hall. I mean, I was just talking to her last Friday, last week at the student athlete graduation. And, you know, I asked her, what do you, or what are you going to take most away from this experience? And, she just said how much people around here care about making sure we're doing everything to the full potential besides just what what they see in sports. And, you know, they have all these resources and support system. That's why that Florida has that number. And I, I think it's something that, you know, the, the University Athletic Association, UF, and Gator fans can be proud of. I'll use the old reporter trick on you, Chris, here to end our conversation. Chris, is there anything else on your mind today that you'd like to share or reflect upon from the fall? Just to add to what, what Scott said, um, uh, a year ago we, we trumpeted that the Florida was in, reached in top five in public universities. Um, this year they became the number one according to the Wall Street Journal, and that's something that uh, every game now you see uh, the video with Ben Sass saying here's something we couldn't say before, Get flipping it to that old Steve Spurrier video from the 1996 pep rally after the national championship saying we're number one, we're number one. And I think that was, that's a really, really, really cool thing that uh, uh, regardless of what's going on with football, regardless of what's going on with some other things, um, that's something that this uh, university should be proud of and obviously is very proud of. We'll end on that. Happy holidays. Happy new semester to you when we all get back together again after January 1. And um, gentlemen, thank you. Randy Mickens, Associate Director of Creative Video for Football Recruiting. Did I get that title right, Randy? Yes, you did. Good job. Here's the other title, Emmy winner. Did I get that right? Yes, sir, you did. I'm very lucky to uh, be able to work with a lot of great people that had their hand in working on such an awesome project. Congratulations. Randy, uh, by the way, just won the Suncoast Emmy for his series, This is the Swamp, which I love because it's just great storytelling. Is that how you guys went about it? Yeah, definitely. I think it's such an awesome opportunity because I think in um, a lot of what you see in college sports, the way that stories are told, they're short form videos on social media that you can just kind of flip by on your phone. Having the opportunity to work on something that you can let breathe for 20 or 30 minutes opens up a lot of doors, gives you a lot of other opportunities. And this series is such an awesome thing to be able to work on. And, um, you know, I'm lucky to be able to do it, but there are a lot of people that have their hands in it 
it. So it's a great experience. Tell me more about that team. So we have our whole video team that will cover um, any given uh, Saturday at a game. I'd say we'd have anywhere from 10 to 12 cameras on the field up in the stands covering the game. Um, different types of elements. You know, we'll have people shooting in the bench to give you the team's perspective. We'll have people shooting in the end zones and on the sideline to capture the actual game action. Um, and that's just a small part of it. I mean, a lot of the things people don't see are like when we have practices, we'll be miking up players kind of in the huddle with the team, putting cameras in places that, you know, you would only get that perspective. So, um, yeah, a lot of hands and, you know, have their part in this. And it's a really great thing. This is stuff that we only used to see, like with NFL films and um, the NBA to some extent. It's now pervasive through Division One. Can you remember your first kind of foray into this career-wise? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think especially even with this series, I mean, this is something we started doing, um, I want to say, right before the pandemic was like the first time we really did it. And um, I think it's just a really great thing because it gives our players an opportunity to kind of let their faces be seen without the helmet, let their voices be heard. Um, That's one of the things I think really drives it is giving the players an opportunity to kind of let their personalities be seen, let their voices be heard. That's the coolest part. And then with this specific episode that we did that ended up winning the Emmy, um, focusing on Anthony Richardson's story, I thought that was a really cool thing to do because – you know, he's a guy that everyone knows, you know his name, but he was really here for kind of a short period of time. He only really started for a season, played a little bit the season before, but his story is so remarkable, his family is so incredible, and it just felt like the perfect opportunity. It's a winner, obviously. Um, for you personally, though, can you think of maybe what touched you more than anything else about telling his story? Oh, I, without a doubt, his family. Um, I think that was the coolest part. His relationship with his brother is incredible. His brother, Corey. Um, Anthony's basically his, it's like a father figure. And, you know, Anthony's a young guy. He's, he was like 21 when he was here. And to have that much responsibility on you, to, you're not only wearing the 15 jersey at quarterback for Florida, that alone brings as much expectation and pressure as you can have. But setting an example for somebody like your younger brother who's really looking to you to, to set the example to kind of lead the way. And that was what I thought was so incredible is that, you know, if Anthony had a great game or a bad game, I don't think it let he let that get to him as much as making sure that he set the right example for his brother. So by far, that was the best part. You and Anthony Richardson now are bonded together. Did you did you call him and tell him that the story won an, an Emmy? We did. We let him know, and he was so gracious, and, and he's so happy for, for us and our whole team. You know, it, again, it wasn't just me. You know, we have Kevin Camps, who works over in our creative department, was such a huge help kind of getting us in touch with, with Anthony and some of his people. Vernell Brown, who represents Anthony. Um, and then on the creative side, too, you know, Scott Hoffman, Alex Feebles, and um, just the list goes on and on. Um, Eric Michael, the people, some of the people that capture our, just our game day footage. And uh, again, I think the main thing is having the support of football staff and the administration here to do those kind of stories, to work on those kind of projects. I honestly couldn't be more thankful. Why is there not an Emmy sitting in between us for this interview? Well, you know, that's a great question. I just, you know, I didn't really think that, I didn't want it to distract from the story that we're trying to tell here today. So, yeah. But I thought it would be going everywhere with you, surely, right? A keychain, maybe a keychain version of it or something would be good, yeah. Where will the Emmy reside? 
Um, I don't know. I think it'd be cool to, I think it'd be a cool thing to give to my dad and like let him kind of maybe keep it in his house. I think I know how proud my parents are of me and, um, you know, they've always supported me doing this kind of work. And I think kind of similar to Anthony's parents and or his Anthony's family, his mother and his brother and how proud they are of him. So I think that'd be a cool parallel. Last thing is this, who was, who's been your inspiration in the way that you either shoot, edit, or tell your stories? I always think to, um, if I were to, to say there's one thing that really inspired me, even growing up, I was obsessed with NFL films. Like even, you know, in high school, I might be aging myself a little bit here, but I would record in middle school and high school things on VHS tape that I would watch. And the ESPN would always show the year recaps on NFL films. And that was just something that always spoke to me. And then Hard Knocks especially, I just think is, you know, People see what happens on the field on Saturdays in college and on Sundays in the pros, but getting the access during the week, seeing what the guys are like off the field in the meeting room, that's the, the most exciting thing. There's going to be somebody that hears our visit and they say, I don't know how to find this is the swamp. I get it. Yeah. Some are good at finding these things. Others are not. What's the easiest way to find that work? If you go to youtube.com slash Gators FB, um, all the episodes are on there, plus a lot of other uh, great pieces of work that our whole team has produced. So that would probably be the safest place to look. Great job. Congratulations. Thank you so much, Sean. I appreciate your time. Jenny Rowland, Scott Carter, and Chris Harry on the roundtable. And, of course, Randy Mickens talking about his Suncoast Emmy Award. Good way to wrap things up here on episode number 16. Big thanks to all of our guests and, of course, our sponsors, too, throughout the fall semester, UF Health and Pet Paradise. I'm Sean Kelly, and once again, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and Happy New Year as well. We'll resume the Gator Tales with Sean Kelly podcast in January, probably the week of January 8th. By that time, we'll be into the swing of things with regard to SEC men's and women's basketball, and all the students will be back on campus, and we'll be cranking toward the rest of the winter sports and the spring sports as well. So take a breath, go Gators, and I'll see you next time right here on Gator Tales with Sean Kelly. Our podcast is blessed with the special assistance of Bruce Floyd, Herb Brooks, Kenny McGinnis, Steve McLean, and all of the sports information directors inside the communications office of the University Athletic Association. Please leave a review. We'd love to get your feedback as we turn toward the spring semester. You can reach me on email at seank at gators.ufl.edu or on social media. X handle is at Sean Kelly Live, the same on Instagram.